Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. What event comes once a year and could change how you see the world around you? The answer? When your vision benefits renew. And now that they have, there's no better time to visit your neighborhood Pearl Vision, where they'll cover your out-of-pocket cost or insurance copay for your eye exam. Schedule your family's eye exams at pearlvision.com. Valid prescription required. Valid at participating locations. Restrictions apply. Taxes extra. See store for details. Ends 4-30-2022. Exams available at the Independent Doctors of Optometry at or next to Pearl Vision. Some doctors employed by Pearl Vision. I'm John Gonzalez, the host of SI's new podcast, Sports Illustrated Weekly. Sports Illustrated has delivered some of the best storytelling in sports for 70 years. And now that continues on our show. Each week, we'll dive deep into the best stories from around the sports world. Sports Illustrated Weekly is available every Wednesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe now. Kim Kardashian says she was scared to leave the house after quarantine, despite ignoring COVID-19 rules. A new documentary about Anthony Bourdain used AI technology to replicate his voice. And Deanna Schwartz joins us to talk about Gen Z's newest fascination, old TV shows from Y2K. It's July 16th, 2021. Hello, friends. I'm Stephen LeConte. And I'm Jen Abador. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. So Casey is out today, but we are so excited to have BuzzFeed senior editor Jen Abador filling in. Jen, thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to be here and so excited to see you on Zoom today. I know. It's lovely seeing your little square over there. And it's a very exciting day for a lot of reasons, uh, not the least of which is that yesterday, Never Have I Ever season two premiered. Have you seen it yet? Well, honestly, I was trying to figure out why I'm so exhausted today, and it's because I watched the first five episodes at 6 a.m. this morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What's your review so far? Um, there's a lot of questionable choices happening so far, um, and I just really need to figure out where I stand on the whole love triangle, but it is not letting me down so far, I'll say. Okay, good. Well, I'm excited. I've saved this for my weekend and I'm just going to spend the entire weekend binging the whole thing. And by the way, just as a shout out to any listeners who happen to love Never Have I Ever, and I trust that you do, please tune in to the podcast on Monday. We have a very special guest coming. But for now, let's set that aside and talk about what's happening today, which is this bonus clip from Keeping Up with the Kardashians. It was shot last summer, but just released this week. In the clip, Kim Kardashian said she was afraid of leaving her house post-lockdown, despite leaving her house during lockdown. After telling her sister Chloe she hadn't left her house since quarantine, Kim said, I was so freaked out. I, people were trying to come up to Kanye and like talk to him and like come up to me and ask for photos. And I was just like, absolutely not. Like, get, I would stop people. I'd be like, get away. 
So a lot of people have since pointed out that Kim did in fact leave her house numerous times during lockdown, including her 40 plus person birthday party in October. Kim and other members of the family also breached COVID-19 restrictions for Thanksgiving and Kendall Jenner's infamous Halloween birthday party. I mean, Jen, (laughs) where do we even begin with this one? Why did she even have to say this, to be honest? Like, ugh. Yeah, it's such an unforced error. Like, no one was particularly looking for, like, her uh, trauma experience about the pandemic. Her house, by the way, is, like, the size of a small town. So even if she was forced to stay on that property for, like, years, um, she would be better off than most people. Yeah, a small and, like, slightly terrifying town of its own for sure it's very it's very austere like a museum yeah i don't know i just feel like look i have a lot of empathy for the fact that you know she did go through something traumatic uh when she was robbed at gunpoint and i know that she dealt with some real like agoraphobia after that but i just feel like given the way that family behaved over this past year you know i mean there was constant vacations a lot of travel you know they did not live the sort of quarantine experience that the average person did. So I just feel like right now is not the time for them to center themselves in some sort of victim narrative about the pandemic, you know? Totally. And like, you don't have to post on social media if you're, you know, taking a vacation during the middle of a lockdown too. So the whole thing just, I don't know, it just really rubs me the wrong way, I would say. Well, we can just add it to the uh, running list of increasing Kardashian backlashes. Speaking of backlash, a new documentary about Anthony Bourdain has sparked a conversation about ethics in film. The doc's creator, Morgan Neville, told The New Yorker that he used artificial intelligence to replicate Bourdain's voice for a few quotes in Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain. After a massive backlash on Twitter, Neville told Variety that he used the AI voice with the blessing of Bourdain's estate and literary agent. Bourdain's ex-wife, Atavia, however, tweeted, I certainly was not the one who said Tony would have been cool with that. Yeah, I mean, yikes. <laughs> big yikes. I have a lot of feelings about this. Um, I don't fault the filmmaker necessarily for, you know, wanting to use that technology. However, you know, a documentary really purports to tell the truth. You know what I mean? And I think if they were going to use that kind of technology and if he really had the blessing of the family or the estate to do it, there should have been some sort of disclosure at the top of the movie explaining that like, you know, parts of this are recreations using technology, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it sounds like something got mixed up along the way in terms of that whole, you know, permission (laughs) element. And it's kind of like who, who was asked, you know? Right. Right. Totally. And yeah, I mean, maybe this isn't the place to try this technology for the first time, I would say. No, I think that's a valid point because there's a lot of applications for this kind of technology, maybe for like an actor who's busy filming another movie or something like there are non-death related applications of this kind of thing. And I feel like because Anthony Bourdain was lost in such a tragic way and people obviously feel very protective about uh, his legacy and his work, maybe this wasn't the way to dip your toe in the water. Yeah, 100%. Moving on. If you ask any teen what their favorite TV show is, don't be surprised if they say Gossip Girl or The O.C. An overwhelming amount of streaming platforms have made it easy for today's teens to discover yesterday's young adult shows. And it turns out they can't get enough. Teens are running popular TikTok and Instagram fan pages for shows that aired way before they were even born. And it's become one of the biggest trends emerging throughout social and streaming media. Here to talk more about Gen Z's fascination with the Y2K era is writer Deanna Schwartz. 
She wrote the recent insider piece about the teens running fan pages for 2000s TV shows that aired when they were babies. Hi, Deanna. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So first, talk to us about how this is a legit trend on TikTok and social media in general. So many teenagers are running these fan pages for shows that aired way before their time. Can you tell us about the teens you spoke to and the shows they're currently obsessed with? Yeah, so I spoke to a few teenagers. One, Grace, is 14 years old and runs a Gossip Girl TikTok called Married to Chuck Bass. Um, Christina, 17, runs a One Tree Hill TikTok. Ariella, 15, in the UK, runs a Dawson's Creek TikTok. And they really love these very specific shows from the early 2000s and 90s. So, you know, shows like Gossip Girl, One Tree Hill, Dawson's Creek, The O.C., Gilmore Girls, Boy Meets World, etc. Just these kind of shows that were on the WB and those kind of channels that really kickstarted the teen media market. So they basically sound like me, but like 15 years ago or so. <laughs> Jen, can you please, by the way, I don't want you to interrupt, but can you share why you are actually an expert about the WB? <laughs> well, I did, in fact, write my senior thesis all about the WB network. And uh, I may or may not have Dawson's Creek Funko Pops like right behind me right now. So definitely when I read your article, I was super excited to talk to you about all this. (laughs) Um, But so can you tell me what it is that they love so much about these shows? Like what would a person growing up today find so fascinating about a Y2K era show? Yeah, I think a lot of it is that the shows are just good. The writing and the plot and the characters are good. And a lot of it was very original at the time. They're heartfelt and vulnerable in a way that shows aren't anymore, teens said to me. Um, You know, there's these specific actors that they really love, you know, Adam Brody, Chad Michael Murray, those types that, you know, they they just don't make men like that anymore, one teen said to me. And, you know, it's really kind of a time capsule into an era that they didn't get to experience. So, I mean, they're just good shows. And then it's also this kind of nostalgia for an era they'll never live. Yeah. You know, what's interesting, though. It's you can get away with so much more on TV today, but teenagers still find that there's something lacking in today's shows. Where do you think current TV is missing the mark for them? Yeah. I mean, a lot of them told me that current TV is just repetitive. You know, it's been done before. Everything that a current teen show does was already done in one of these early 2000s shows. You know, TV today is also just too realistic, they said, so it's less aspirational. You know, if you compare the original Gossip Girl with the new Gossip Girl, the original Gossip Girl is very, like, out there, aspirational, and the new Gossip Girl is a little more grounded. And teens want to see that life they'll never get to lead because they're just normal teens. They want the aspirational content. Shows today are also a little less dramatic and extreme, you know, um, they're more sensitive, which is probably a good thing, but makes for less drama. I think in a lot of early 2000s shows, there was like, you know, a teacher was always sleeping with a student or like someone's parent was always hooking up with a kid. Um, and that really wouldn't fly today, but it makes for good TV. There's also just a lot less content than there was back then. You know, the first season of the OC, I think had maybe like 28 episodes, like something crazy like that. But you know, today's shows are, you know, eight episodes or 10 episodes or like 16 at most. And there's just a lot less content, a lot less drama to happen. That's a really good point. I didn't even think about how lucky we were to have these like super long seasons of shows. Um, A huge part of this also seems to be like an overall curiosity about the era, which it speaks to the larger trend of Gen Z's fascination with Y2K in general. Um, What are other things that about this time that seem to strike such a chord with younger people? 
Yeah, I mean, I've been saying nostalgia, but nostalgia isn't really the right word because they weren't there. We weren't there. I was born in 2000. I'm Gen Z, so I'm going to say... Oh my God, Deanna. <laughs> I'm going to say we a good bit. You know, I also wasn't alive when Dawson's Creek aired, so... <laughs> oh my God. Now, I just I just feel ancient. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Tell me why you like my teen shows. <laughs> I mean, a lot of those like teens have seen this very gla- overly glamorized version of Y2K, and I feel like it was also this very unique era that was peak consumerism, peak materialism, but pre-social media so kind of in this weird like straddling point and they just like the vibes as one teen told me you know they love the music the fashion movies tv shows the aesthetic the celebrities and it's just this era that they're really fascinated with in the same way that people are like oh you know i was born in the wrong generation people who are obsessed with the 80s it's not really much different it just feels very unique because it doesn't feel like it's that long ago for most adults and it doesn't really feel like a historical era but to these teens it, it it is yeah I know just the fact that like me in high school is now like a whole vibe is so fascinating to me I, I mean I even see that with me I graduated high school in 2018 and I sometimes see those TikToks that's like oh imagine being in high school in like 2015 and I'm like oh god am I old <laughs> You got, you got time. You got time. (laughs) Um, Would you say it also kind of speaks to Gen Z's overall dissatisfaction with current times? Yeah. I mean, I think while Gen Z is very obviously dissatisfied with current times, like I think we all are, I don't know if this is quite related to that. Cause I just, I don't think Gen Z is super knowledgeable about the, what the climate of the world was in the early two thousands. I'm not that knowledgeable about what the climate of the world was in the early two thousands. So it's not like they're really nostalgic for like the political climate or the economy, but more so about the pop culture, the music, the fashion, and this, this pre-social media fantasy. I think people always want what they can't have. And I think the same thing's going to happen in 20 years. Teenagers are going to be looking back at the 2020s and as this era they wish they could have lived in. Okay, well, we'll be right back. Deanna Schwartz has more on Gen Z's love affair with all things Y2K. SheFit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self-doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. This season, get football on your terms with NFL Game Pass. Let's go! See every snap from every game with full game replays. What a throw, what a catch! Listen to all the action as it happens with live game audio. Watch the dog, G! Leaping grab Devontae Adams! Plus, watch your team on your time with condensed game replays. Wow! Get football on your terms with NFL Game Pass. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. Hi, I'm Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick, and we're the hosts of the science podcast, Stuff to Blow Your Mind, where every week we get to explore some of the weirdest questions in the universe. Like, if sci-fi teleportation was possible, how would it square with the multitudes of organisms that inhabit our human bodies? Can we find evidence of emotions in animals like bees, ants, and crayfish? How would an interplanetary civilization function? Does free will exist? Stuff to Blow Your Mind examines neurological quantum 
boundaries, cosmic mysteries, evolutionary marvels, and the wonders of techno history. Basically, this show is the altar where we worship the weirdness of reality. If anybody ever told you you ask the weirdest questions, it is time to come join us in the place where you belong, the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast. New episodes publish every Tuesday and Thursday with bonus episodes on Saturdays. Listen to Stuff to Blow Your Mind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking with journalist Deanna Schwartz about her recent insider piece on the teens obsessed with Y2K era TV shows. So the world of social media itself also plays a big role in teens' appreciation for older shows. Can you tell us a bit more about how growing up as the social media generation has romanticized a life without social media? Yeah, I think a lot of us have very mixed feelings about social media. In a lot of ways, you know, growing up with social media has really improved our lives. A lot of us have made a lot of friends through social media, done a lot of things, good job opportunities. But there's also this belief that our lives would be easier without social media. There'd be less pressure to look perfect, live a perfect life, less pressure to document every moment of our lives. I mean, there's a lot of research done on how social media has affected younger generations' body image and things like that. So there's really this fantasy of a pre-social media era when things were just more simple. You know, especially considering I think a lot of early 2000s media used new and emerging technologies as plot points. I think of like group text sent to the whole school and like anonymous chatting over AIM and like another Cinderella story, email blasts, things like that. I think it's like comical and amusing to like see what the old computers used to look like. And it's just so much more simple and A lot of us really wish that we could have lived in that more simple era before all this confusion with social media happened. One thing that was so interesting to me in your article was just, you know, how younger people kind of feel like these current shows don't get how to properly relay Gen Z's world of social media. Can you talk to us a little bit more about what they mean by that? Yeah, I mean, teenagers can really smell inauthenticity from a mile away. And when there's an obvious social media blunder in a show, it makes it really obvious that there were no actual young people involved in the making of that show. And it becomes fake to them and really easy to make fun of when they do something wrong. You know, I'm thinking of like Ginny and Georgia, which is a recent modern teen show on Netflix, had this clip go viral on TikTok where, you know, the guy is like using the dog filter on Snapchat and he's saying good morning. And that was just destroyed by Gen Z because it's so cheesy and no actual teenager would ever do that. Um, and it really became a way to, to crap on this show as saying like, oh my gosh, this is what happens when millennials write teenagers. We got to must stop the millennials. I think also TV can be a way to escape a lot of the pressures of social media in the world. And it's really a turnoff to see it in a show, especially when it's done incorrectly, but even when it's done correctly. Although also I think social media's uses and its lingo and the habits of teens move so fast that by the time a show reaches the air and it was written two years ago, it's already inaccurate and, you know, um, inauthentic to these teenagers. And it's just really hard to get it right. So one thing that fascinated me in your piece, uh, you talk about how aside from these fan pages, there are also all of these, you know, TV podcasts, recaps, rewatches, reboots happening right now. What do you make of this like cultural fixation on Y2K era stuff? And do you think Gen Z is part of the reason it's all being created? 
Yeah, I think it's a combination. I think they're definitely capitalizing off the new fans and maybe using new fan bases as like ways to like pitch these projects. But I think they also know they still have their original audiences, especially if these shows are cool with teens. You know, people want to do what teens do, especially teen girls are big movers and shakers in, you know, media industries. And, you know, if the shows are cool with teens, then the original fans who have been there from the beginning are going to come back. And, you know, they think, oh, I, you know, I was there from the beginning and these teens are just catching on now. And I think in terms of older and original fan bases, I think people are really hungry for nostalgic content just because the state of the world is so dismal. And it can be really nice to just pretend you're back in the 90s or the early 2000s. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think this fixation on 2000s culture is like a fleeting trend or do you think this is here to stay? I think it's a bit fleeting. I think, you know, it's going to just keep moving up the line. You know, in 10 years, they're going to be really into the 2010s and then the 2020s. I think it's just people always want the era that they couldn't have and they look back on it. And I think I think there might be some of it. Um, I think some of these shows will stick around. You know, one of the professors I said, I interviewed said, um, you know, there's a good chance they could live, live on because look at the popularity of something like Stranger Things. People are still nostalgic for the 80s. So there's a good chance they could stay Y2K. But I think that, you know, teens are going to move on pretty quickly once Y2K becomes the era of their parents and not just, you know, the previous era. Well, Deanna, this has been a fascinating glimpse into Gen Z culture. Frankly, as a millennial, I just want to congratulate your generation on having taste. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. Come back and join us on Monday. And remember, if your house is the size of a small town, it's not exactly a lockdown. No, it is not. BuzzFeed Daily is produced by Dan Bauza, Joshua Burnley, Tanya Bustos, Jess Goodwin, and Erica Nedimine. And special thanks to Samantha Hennig and Tommy Wesley. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed, coming to you daily. Peacock streaming new movies every week at PeacockTV.com. We'll have the biggest movies from the Twilight Saga to Selma and Bad Boys 1 and 2. Bad Boys for life. All your favorite movies like Die Hard, The Matrix Trilogy, and Good Will Hunting. That's the good stuff. Plus, movies the whole family will love. How to Train Your Dragon, the Harry Potter film series, Brilliant. and Shrek 1 and 2. It's so good to be home. With tons of blockbuster hits, you can't not watch. Sign up at PeacockTV.com. Hi, I'm Robert Sex Reese, host of the Dr. Sex Reese Show. And every episode, I listen to people talk about their sex and intimacy issues. And yes, I despise every minute of it. I yeah. mean, she, she made mistakes too, right? That's I mean, true. She, she did she, kill everyone at her wedding. But hell is real. We're all trapped here. And there's nothing any of us can do about it. So join me, won't you? Listen to the Dr. Sex Reese Show every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch the NFL playoffs like a fan, or you can prep like a scout if you listen to the award-winning Move the Sticks podcast. The show is hosted by me, Daniel Jeremiah, and my partner, Bucky Brooks. The two of us are bringing the knowledge from a career as NFL talent scouts to the podcast world so fans can watch and understand the nuances of the game like never before. We'll break down film from the professional and college game to get you ready for the Super Bowl, the draft, and kickoff next fall. 
Subscribe now and listen to the Move the Sticks podcast on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.